As the 21st century automotive world evolves and new electric vehicle technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge on the landscape. The EV Power Podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. Hey everybody, welcome to the EV Power Podcast. My name is Peter. With me as always is Rich Tabor, co-founder of RPM News Weekly. Rich, how have you been? Been very well, and it's great to be back on track here. Uh, on four track? Is that a, <laughs> was, that a, was that a recording joke? Uh, <laughs> I guess it could be. Yeah, so uh, I think this week we maybe we start off with a, you know, it's a little bit of EV news, and then uh, you want to tell us about your, your ride of the week, so to speak. Yeah, what a ride. It was quite the ride of the week. But before we get into that, Peter, we've got a couple of news briefs that we wanted to take care of. Oh, if you wanted to talk a little bit about news, I mean, um, yeah, there was a couple interesting things. I mean, we'll just stick with the premium stuff. How about that? Uh, Volvo introduced a new EX30, not to be confused with the recently deceased Mazda MX-30 electric car, which died pretty quick. That <laughs> didn't last very long. Uh, and this is like kind of a weird area. It's it's sort of um, in the Chevy Bolt EUV space, but mm. and, and price wise, it's very comparable, which is going to be surprising. But but it's more a little bit more performance tuned because of course it's Volvo, and and unlike like the the Kia Nero and the Bolt and all those sort of compacts which at which are strictly front wheel drive, this is going to have a choice of rear wheel drive or all wheel drive. Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty impressive looking car, you know. It, it, falls in line the looks fall in line with the current volvo you know the what's the uh xc40 recharge you know looks kind of like a little bit smaller version of that but it's a a great entry point not only to evs but into volvo because they're starting in like the low 30s which i think is gonna you know hopefully be a winner although i think volvo is really underrated when it comes to evs or in general it comes to cars well i don't think they get the attention around here that yeah well, I wonder if the, uh, some of the technology that Polestar has been developing is kind of filtering down into the Volvo um, models. I mean, it used to be the Polestar was like the performance wing of, of Volvo, but it's kind of moved over to being this electric. Um, yeah, that that move never made any sense to me. You know, it, it, it's funny, like, because um, the thought was, well, this is going to be our all-electric division, right? But Volvo's going to move all electric. So what happens when Volvo's all electric and then Polestar's all electric? It's like, I don't understand. Because the cars style-wise, you know, the Polestar cars, they still look like Volvos, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they're radically different, you know. And, uh, yeah, so that, I never really understood that move because they should have just kept Polestar like an electric performance, which is probably where it'll move to once – Right. Volvo itself. Yeah, that sounds like you know, a logical space to, for them to move into. Well, I've got a little story here, too. It's uh, more about electric buses that uh, here in New England, uh, of course, there's a steamship authority that runs uh, transport ferry service over to the islands off of the southeast coast, Cape Cod. Um, opposite Cape Cod, you've got Nantucket uh, Sound, and you've got Martha's Vineyard in Nantucket. Uh, so they're running... Um, um, ferries out there, but um, because they're so popular, of course they um, have to find places for people to park uh, if they're going to be riding the ferry. So there's a whole network of buses that, uh, that take people 
from these parking areas down to the ferry itself, and um, and that's from uh, you know whether you're in Hyannis, Falmouth, or Woods Hole. So just recently, they uh, they got their first electric buses, and um, uh, this is a real first for them. And um, it's a big investment too. Um, uh, but they figure that the savings that they're going to be getting, uh, and 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 of course the the idea too is is that they're they're aiming to act a little bit more responsibly about uh, the environment, as many of us are. And um, so um, they'll they'll put these in service, and uh, already they've uh, authorized uh, up to four million dollars for our next round of of electric buses. So that's pretty cool. That, uh, they're, they're yeah, you know, especially buses. Like walking through a bus terminal. Like even even like when we used to when we took the kids to Disney World, they have the bus terminals. You, you go from the Orlando airport, and you go out to, the, and you walk it out in this beautiful like you're in Orlando. The weather's great, and then you walk right into diesel fumes. <laughs> you know oh, what I yeah, mean? It's yeah. like, you know, you walk out of the you fly down from Boston, especially in the winter, and you get out, you lock out those doors at the airport down in, in Orlando, and the weather's beautiful and it's tropical and whatever, and, and then all of a sudden it's just bang, you get hit with diesel fumes. So that's it's kind of the same thing here. You know, if you're heading down to Hyannis, you know, do you, you want to? I mean, even the ferries themselves are like they spew diesel fumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you know, so it's, it's a it's, step in the right direction. Um, definitely, yeah. So uh, yeah, and then, uh, let's. You want to get into uh, my my long um, the long version oh, of, yeah, of, my, uh, of my trip to Hudson, New York, in the EQS. Oh yeah, let's uh, yeah tell us all about the the Mercedes EQS. Although you know, right when you say it, you know it's going to be good. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it was. Um, what a story! I rolled into the Nempa headquarters parking lot uh, to swap out uh, the vehicle I was in. For the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV 584 Matic, I know that's kind of a mouthful, but that's their real flagship. That's the um, unless you go into the Maybach, that's pretty much the top of the line for that car. That's an all-electric SUV, which was an incredible ride. Um, uh, we took that from there uh, to Hudson, New York, and. Um, so it was a distance of about 200 miles. We had two passengers with us, and uh, I'm sorry, at least I forget that my wife was traveling with us, but we had two friends who were traveling with us. And um, we were on a mission for uh, an organization that uh, I work with, and uh, it was a great vehicle to be driving in. Uh, amazing to, to get started. And, you know, the car has uh, so much going on with it. You know, you get into the car, and uh, obviously, the first things that you do, uh, being unfamiliar with the car, rather than you know some reference points from having sat in a Mercedes before, but as far as getting the car ready, of course, you do the the usual: get your seat ready, and you get your mirrors going, and uh, hook up your Bluetooth or CarPlay or whatever that you want to hook up, um, and you're sort of ready to go. But this vehicle had so much depth to the controls and and how you could. Um, set up all of the functions for everything. Um, you're sort of at a loss if you don't do it before you get started, uh, which I found out because we just zoomed up onto the highway. We here, we were on a, a four-hour mission to get to, to Hudson. So, uh, you know, I didn't spend much time kind of rifling through the uh, menus and everything. And, and it was, I felt a little bit as at a loss when we were driving, but I sort of put that behind me and just focused because I did have 
uh, GPS navigation going. I knew exactly where we were going. And, um, you know, everything else was there. We had music available to us. And then it was just a matter of just driving and just enjoying it, just tremendously enjoying it all. Um, what a what a smooth ride this car has. It's hard to describe that. You know, the word smooth just doesn't seem to be adequate for for how comfortable you can be in this car as it just zips down the highway. And uh, being all electric, uh, you know, we were happy to know that we had about 265 miles on the charge to, to start with, um, which is kind of a, you know, it's an approximation because a lot will depend on the terrain that you drive over and, and uh, the uh, how fast you're going, you know, and, and some other factors, weather and things like that. Uh, we did encounter some rain uh, along the way as we went up through uh, the Berkshires, um, but it was just a lovely drive. Um, that's 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 my you know touch word, lovely drive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it better be. That's you know the the even the just the regular conventionally powered um uh, the you know the the S class SUV is great you know as far as uh, uh just a overall like road trip car especially but even as like a family car you know that's the top of the line but then you add the you know the the EQ to it and uh it, it is a pretty smooth it, it's it's amazing like remarkably smooth ride as you mentioned the suspension systems on those are so well dialed in Oh yeah, and and, and fortunately, you went you went from from Middleborough to Hudson. You said so. You probably went like the Mass Pike, right? So that's that's a pretty straight road. I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, you get towards you know when you get towards Western Mass, of course, you hit the hills, and uh, it's even not that bad uh, on on uh, when you're on ninety if that's the road you took. Oh yeah, you know, and I mean, I had my eye, of course, on on the range and making sure that we were going to be uh, all set to get into Hudson without having to stop to charge up. Uh, but as we kind of got out towards Stockbridge, Mass., uh, we decided there was time for lunch, so we pulled into the Red Lion Inn in Stockbridge. And interestingly, from there on, the GPS uh, took us on these back roads through uh, the rest of Massachusetts and down towards Hudson. So instead of going over to uh, the Taconic Parkway, which is uh, what I thought it was going to take us over to, uh, which would have been basically all highway driving. Um, uh, it was just a, it was refreshing to go up through the, those mountain back back roads through those mountains, um, especially with a car like this. Uh, you know, the regenerative braking. Um, you know, if you set it just right, you can really take advantage of those downhills to to store up some battery energy. And um, if you put it too much, if you put it too strong, you know, it kind of slows you down really too much to be driving on on those downhills through the mountains so you kind of balance that off and 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 uh you know it just it's just a pleasure to drive with all those you know just that that facet going with it um you know just the way it handles you're right about the comfort you know it's got this airmatic air suspension um, and adaptive damping so it's just everything my passengers were commenting about how you didn't even really feel the bumps. You know, it just glided over. I, I was going to say it must have been like a limo ride for them. Cause it's like, oh yeah, they were, I think I I think they were smiling yeah. the whole way, um, <laughs> and uh, you know yeah. they they were very polite about everything that they you know they didn't want to be fussing with everything. They you know they weren't like kids back there. I think they were just really appreciative of yeah. having this time with with that car. 
and being the passengers, and you know, just in the back, it was like a limo ride. Um, so I mean, yeah. down, out, down to some of the specs, you know, there's it's it's a 536 horsepower system uh, with um, 633 pound feet of torque. Um, you know, I guess in layman's term, it means that you can get up on the highway about as fast as anything that's out there. And, uh, you know, so coming in off of uh, coming up an exit ramp and, and merging with traffic, no problems whatsoever. You, you, you'll be going 80 miles an hour, which, you know, interestingly enough, is, is not the posted speed limits, but um, for quite of the ways that that's kind of what the, uh, you know, the dispensation is being allowed because the cars out in the high speed lane are going at least that um, Oh, yeah. You know, so when you want to yeah. get up to speed, you know, you just kind of really, just you barely have to press that that throttle down. And um, right, that's and, always been the benefit of electric. But when you get in a car like that, you the mass of the car just disappears. Like it doesn't feel as heavy as it actually is. When I mean, you know, you talk about electric cars are super heavy. Even this this thing is is I can't imagine what the weight is on that because it's a, it's a full size SUV on top of being electric. But you don't feel that weight because that torque is just so instantaneous. And, incredible. Uh, yeah, just and It's incredible. just right there. I mean, they've even said that about the Tesla Semi. You know, the Tesla Semi truck. Uh, I was watching a video. Jay Leno drove the Tesla Semi with a load on the back. And he was even commenting, you can't feel the load. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a load on there because those electric motors are so so powerful and so smooth and so consistent that the weight of the vehicle disappears. I mean, it might not have, you know, handling might be affected. And, of course, tire wear is, is a big thing. But, you know, mm-hmm. getting up to speed in a car like that is, is, is actually surprisingly quick. It will surprise you. Well, yeah, you, oh, yeah. you get up to, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, it's like you just blinked. And, and, and the car yeah. does not feel that, that, that speed that you would feel if you were in, you know, let's say um, just to, Pull a car out that I've had a test drive in recently, Subaru Crosstrek. You know, you feel that speed more in a car like that. Um, yeah, you know, to be expected. Well, especially that has a CVT that has a CVT transmission, so you're you're listening to that thing hum along too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's what's you know great about electrics. You don't need a CVT. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's certainly not a fair comparison to try to compare the two. No, just, not at but, all. But just, <laughs> it's but, completely opposite ends of the right, but, opposite but, ends of the world. Yeah, but uh, exactly, and that's the you know the point I'm trying to make is that you know you what you might hear and experience in a in a, a car at that price point versus a car at the hundred and thirty five thousand price point is is dramatically different, and especially coming from Mercedes, which you know they they have such a high. Yeah. It's not just a phony cachet. They have a high standard that they've been able to maintain. Um, so, right. you know, so just uh, and kind of just to kind of get like sort of a little bit of the story going is that so, you know, we had our eye on on things and, and you know, we pulled into to Hudson and um, uh, there was about 60 miles or so left on on the vehicle. And we were looking at, you know, we were going to do a two night stay. And uh, so we thought, well, let's charge up somewhere. And, and along the way, I had been kind of checking for, you know, fast charges and unfortunately it's still you know that part of the infrastructure is still not in in great shape um there were a lot of different charges here and there but usually you'd end up going a little bit out of your way for it but i banked on being able to get to hudson and uh, right in the center of town there's a parking lot and they had some um quite a few charge point um uh, they were level two not uh, not the uh 
fast charging systems that you can get from companies like EVgo and Electrify America, EV Connect. But the charge point ones are pretty reliable. There's a lot of them in a lot of places. Um, but it's a little bit of a slower charge, so you kind of want to look at it as an overnight charge. And fortunately, the parking lot was a public parking area in Hudson, but the you know the meters are sort of off-duty overnight, so um, it was not that uh, far from the hotel that we were at. And, and one of the people that was uh, that we were going to be catching up with, they said, "Well, you know, my hotel's right, uh, you know, right the back of the hotel is right on, at that parking lot." So um, you know, when I parked the car there. Um, I got a ride back from from there, uh, just several blocks to to the uh, bed and breakfast that we were staying at. Overnight, brought the charge right up. I think I had a, uh, somewhere between 65 and 75 percent charge, um, if I recall correctly, uh, from an overnight charge. So uh, we were in good shape for the time we were there, um, and uh, you know, so we didn't look at charging until we were you know heading back. Um, you know, along the way, we ended up having to stop um, for a charge. Um, so that was good. But, you know, we made it all the way down. Um, we, we took the little side roads uh, going back. We, we drove down Route 9 um, and went in to visit uh, family uh, that I have in that general area of New York and uh, and headed out from there. And we stopped. Uh, we took the southern route back, um, headed over towards Hartford, uh, but stopped in Waterbury for a, a charge. Um, it was pretty far off the the track where we were at. I mean, not not it wasn't like just finding a gas station, which you know sometimes if you don't even you don't even have to worry about stopping off road because there's so many of them in in um, rest areas and things like that. But um, even f- for that, if we you know you wouldn't want to have to be doing this all the time. Uh, so hopefully that that side of the equation starts to get a little bit better, where you can find them, you know, right on route. Um, but it was a little bit. We had to go into Waterbury in, in in one of the suburb areas, but it was a good fast charge. It was in a, a big mall plaza, and uh, you know, so we just stopped and rested for a little bit. Um, used uh, the facilities and and uh, got the charge going. It took probably about. I think we were there for 20 minutes to a half hour and, and had that charge right up to where we'd have plenty to get all the way back to um, southeastern New England, southeastern Massachusetts. Um, altogether, it was just a, a fantastic ride. Um, the one thing, though, is, is that you really do want to spend some time with the uh, the system there. You know, it had that uh, full screen in the front, the MBUX hyperscreen, they call it, you know, where you yeah, cut. Yeah, yeah. It's all digital right across the dashboard, the glass. Um, they even yeah. provide a nice little cloth to c- to clean it without scratching it. Hmm. Um, so you, you've got this display in front of you, uh, right in front of the steering wheel, which is so multifunction with so many things. And um, and then you've got your regular entertainment and, and the bulk of the functions in the center area. And then for the front passenger, there's another uh, screen there, uh, which my wife enjoyed very much because um, you know you have access to the heat uh, and seating controls. Um, so there's a massage function, so she was able to take advantage of the massage um, as um, as we were driving along, and uh, so that was pretty pretty cool. Um, the thing I, I discovered was that, you know, I, I, I kept trying to find the head-up display control, and, um, you know, 
with most vehicles, you know, if it's not obvious with some knob or something on the on the side of the dashboard, uh, usually you can find it pretty quickly going into settings through your cent- central um, screen, your, your user interface in the center. But it was very different with a Mercedes. Um, a lot of the switchgear was kind of like a swipe, you know, like a little touch. And you have to kind of get used to the sensitivity of them, you know, whether it's controlling on the steering wheel your volume or or controlling the functions to see those functions that as you go into the display that's right in front of you uh, to set up how you want it to look. And, you know, there were all kinds of different choices that you could have, you know, your regular normal choice, or you could have it so that you'd have a full uh, navigation screen in front of you if you wanted. Um, but there was a little, I had to end up going to the uh, owner's manual to figure out where where to find the controls for the uh, head-up display, and it was um, really kind of hidden um, instead of like where you would think you'd be swiping just left and right for the various screens that are in front of the driver, uh, you need to swipe up and it opened up another set of screens and choices where you can get access to the head-up display. Um, so, you know, it really pays to spend some time uh, with the vehicle. And, and even after driving it for a week, I found that there was so much more in terms of control and, and features that you could access and get familiar with um, that one week is n- not enough. Um, so I would think owning the vehicle, it may take you, a, you know, several weeks before you kind of get real comfortable where with where everything is, is there and, and uh, available to you. But one thing you won't get tired of is for certain is the, the way that this car parks. I got to tell you, you know, with the, it's a 10-degree rear axle steering, <laughs> you know, Doing curbside parking in tight spots was no sweat. It's you know just amazing how it, how it changes the turning radius. Um, even at home here, I, you know, getting out of the back area of my house where we park the vehicles, when there's few cars in there, sometimes the the turns are quite tight, and you've got to you know do a little back and forth a couple of times, especially with a big SUV. Not with this Mercedes, man. It's just back up, forward, and it would take this tight little turn to get around the side of the garage. I mean, just amazing how much of a difference uh, something like that makes. Um, so anyway, all in all, great experience. Uh, I certainly would love to have it parked in my driveway for several years. <laughs> well, not not just in the driveway, but have it there to, for, for me to go out to and just oogle over. Um, well, maybe you can get a lease on it, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah, so I, that, your, that's still a dream. <laughs> yeah. So, were your passengers at all apprehensive about an EV? Like when you when you went to are they? Oh, sure. Yeah, they they had on a road trip. They they had um, they had good questions. You know, I think that you know the, it wasn't that they were afraid of it so much as that they um, they. And I can't say they weren't, you know, 100% sold on it or anything like that. But, yeah. um, you know, they they had um, good questions about it. Um, and I think in particular what they, they wanted to really um, understand is what risks they might be taking going long distance with a vehicle like that. You know, would they find themselves coming up short on charge? Um, how difficult was it to charge? And I think, you know, the answer still for a lot of people is that, you know, the combination of, in many occasions, having to go off track of, from where you're headed, 
you know, and it could be 10 or 15 yeah. miles off track. Um, it doesn't sound like much, but, you know, that's also time involved with that. So that, uh, fortunately, yeah. you've got a really fast charging system and, um, you know, that cuts that down. But, um, you know, going for a, a charge sometimes, if it's not right immediately available to on the route that you're on, you know, even with the fast charging, uh, you know, you might be spending an extra half hour to 45 minutes um, to fill up, so to speak. Um, yeah, so. you gotta you gotta plan ahead. It, it I mean it, it helps to plan ahead, you know, uh, in in that situation. And, and, and like when I went down to last year's New York Auto Show, we ended up picking up. It's kind of the same thing. We went down to the garage to swap cars. Then with the the, G, the GV eighty electrified. I mean not GV uh, the G eighty electrified sedan. And it's like you know that's a great that talk about great road trip cars. I mean that's right up there too. That is a, a a wonderful car to drive. It's comfortable. It's you know it's everything you want in a luxury car, mm-hmm. uh, without the Mercedes badge, of course. But you know, heading to New York City for Mass, it's about two hundred and forty miles, I think. So that car had plenty of range to get there, but I didn't want to be in the in the situation where I was in the city with only thirty miles of range. Right. You know, so I charged on the way down. I found a little like hotel, kind of just out of Sturbridge, I think. Uh, oh no, maybe not. No, it was. I think it's closer. Uh, I forget where it was, but you know. So I, I topped the car off as much as I could, and then made sure I had plenty of range to get through our New York City portion of the trip, and then back out again, back to Connecticut. You know, mm-hmm. and then like finding a a, a uh, charger on like the New York border, you know, like the, sort of like the New York Connecticut border. You know, it turned out to be a little bit more of a quest than I expected. And there was one at a, like at a hotel next to a home Depot. So <laughs> there's really nothing to, you know, like there's really nothing to do. So I ended up just walking around home Depot for a few minutes. I had to anyway, <laughs> but you know, it's like, uh, 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 I had to get something there. So I'm like, yeah, I might as well do that while we're out. But you know, it's that slight inconvenience of, of right. Yeah. Know. Politely, you know, we say, well, you know, we, we just sort of, uh, you know, you roll with it and, and you, you adapt a new sort of, lifestyle towards it but you know i don't know that everyone's going to want to adapt tremendous you know in in any negative way uh you know adapt their lifestyle for inconvenience um you know especially if you go no but but, you know especially if you're buying a a, a super expensive vehicle um right you kind of want something yeah and and you don't want to uh you know you feel odd pulling into a home depot parking lot in a shady part of a town and a luxury car it's like total kind of the opposite you know it's like uh it, it's the opposite of my normality normally i'm pulling the crappy car into the home depot and now you know you kind of stick out like a sore thumb in certain areas when you're driving like you said if you're driving a luxury car now you're pulling into a shady lot and it's just the infrastructure is 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 just not coming along as fast as it needs to and and uh yeah and, and but then you know it will it's also yeah, it will, and it's also the op- the opposite side of the argument is people make a big deal about oh, it only has three hundred miles of range, and you know I c- I could drive my gas car six hours, you know, without stopping. And it's like, well, nobody does. <laughs> you drive, you know, driving to, from Boston, to, driving to Boston to New York, you stop, you get dinner, you get, you know what I mean? It's just like they just need better placement of chargers. That's all it is, you know. Put some chargers in some nice restaurants, you know. Yeah. Not everybody wants mm-hmm. to eat at the McDonald's, you know, next to the charger. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it weird be, that it's not know, catching up. 
this uh, and you know it's so interesting because it seems like there's so many opportunities for good places. I mean, like you're saying, you know, put them near some restaurants or you know, I mean, put them near Starbucks yeah. and Dunkin' Donuts or something like that too. You know, I mean, there's so many places to where where you don't have to be concerned about um, fuel storage tanks. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's it seems like there should be an easier way for this to all start to take place. Um, you know, before we forget, though, I, I did want to mention something about, um, you know, there is, you know, speaking of like new things to, uh, to learn and understand is um, that whole equation between, you know, OK, we use miles per gallon and um, and we kind of got a pretty good idea of pricing and how how much we're price, you know, how much we're going to be spending because we've got also what the. Uh, you know how far you can go with a vehicle on a gallon of gas. You kind of get all those numbers, but it's a little bit, you know, different for people because they're not used to really thinking in necessarily in terms of kilowatt hours. Um, but I kept a close eye on that when I was driving because it was a, you've got it right in the in the display how much you're using, and uh, you know it's really helpful, um, you know, to kind of begin to see okay, you know, if I'm throttling back here and there. You know what's happening with the vehicle, and um, you know how much electricity I'm using, or, or am I beginning to now store electricity? Um, and uh, you know what I noticed is, and if you go to the EPA um, site, the uh, fueleconomy.gov, um, you know you can see that, and you know to begin to kind of be able to look at these numbers quickly, and and, and you might almost even want to skip the MPGE because it's it can be a little bit mis- yeah. misleading. Um, if you go to our yeah, um, EQ factor um, information that's on the website, you'll you'll see how it's it's a little bit convoluted. But I think one of the numbers that really stands out, although it's very small on 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 each of these um, pages at fueleconomy.gov, and that's you know the kilowatt hours per hundred miles, which you can tra- tra- translate that very easily by moving the decimal point to find out how many kilowatt hours you're you're using per mile. Um, and, you know, when you start to think about it in terms of one car to the next, you kind of get a better idea. You know, I've just pulled up on the screen here in front of me uh, uh, just a couple of comparisons like, um, you know, and these aren't like, you know, just an equal comparison. But, for example, a, a 2023 Audi e-tron GT, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's not an SUV, but, uh, you know, it's been rated at 82 MPGE combined, whereas the Mercedes-Benz is rated at 77 MPG combined. Um, but I think the more telling number that you want to look at, which gives you a sense of, of how much closer they, these really are, is that the um, e-tron GT um, will use up 41 kilowatt hours uh, per 100 miles versus the Mercedes-Benz, which will use 42 kilowatt hours per 100 miles. So Mercedes will use up just a little bit more electricity. Um, over 100 miles, it uses up uh, one kilowatt hour um, more electricity. So you'll see that in your display, too. You know, they uh, on the Mercedes display, um, they do it actually instead of kilowatt. Uh, they're using just watt hours. Um, so you got factors of like 100 um, a thousand, I'm sorry, to to uh, move the decimal point, but it, but it comes down to the same number, and um, you know, so that's really helpful because, you know, and that's pretty that number is pretty accurate to what I was experiencing. Obviously, going up hills, that number's uh, you know going to be a little bit higher. You're going to be using up a little bit more juice, but you know, on some flat roads, you know, if you get it in kind of a certain zone with with that vehicle, you could get that number 
uh, down a lot lower. I had it down into the 30s, um, you know, uh, kilowatt hours per 100 miles. So um, so that's pretty good. Um, you know, that's uh, it, for a big car like that, you know, it's... Um, it's it's yeah. it's admirable to to see how how well Mercedes has put this whole thing together. Well, to give you an idea, just to follow up on that, you know, that forty two kilowatt hour per hundred miles, that's exactly what the the Kia EV six gets. I'm right now. I'm driving the the Kia EV six GT. That's all wheel drive as well. Um, that also gets forty two kilowatt hour per miles, which is Interesting, considering the size difference of those two cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, granted, one's a, you know the, the the EV6 is power tuned, so to speak, but the Mercedes is no slouch either. So it's like, uh, it's it's weird to see, and that's why going on to like these, you know, the government site is interesting to look at some of these numbers. And also, just to give you a reference, another reference, the comparable the Mercedes GLS 580 Formatic, which is the gas version, of what you're driving basically. When you look at cost to drive, so on the EPA site, they have cost to drive per 25 miles. The EQS 580 is $1.47 per mile uh, per 25 miles it costs. The gas-powered GLS is $6.64 per 25 miles. Yeah. yeah. Give you an idea about the efficiency. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. The, yeah. You know. Picture that uh, savings over five years. Um, the EPA's got yeah, a, right. a number up of about six thousand dollars that you'd save over the course of five years, compared to an average vehicle. Yeah, whatever that yeah, might be. Uh, what is an average new vehicle? But uh, yeah, so you, the the case that you're making it's uh, really demonstrated in this car. All right. Well, listen, yeah, we, and, we've uh, been at this for about a half hour. Maybe we ought to wrap it up at this point. Um, we'll just invite people to come back. All right. Just wrap it up with this. Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly. Or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com. 